0: This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. So this morning, we're going to continue in our series called Generation Next. and We're going to look at some of our older generations because I want the younger generations. How many of y'all are millennials or Gen Z? Raise your hands. That's a pretty good turnout. I love that. So I want you as Millennials and Gen Z to know who we are as the older generations ahead of you. Not because um, I want you to acknowledge or appreciate us, but I want you to understand us. Because our generations need Jesus. And you may be the generation, either Millennials or Gen Z, that help us get Jesus. See, you don't live in a country or a culture anymore where you take the faith of our mothers and fathers, and then we take that as our faith, and we hand it down to the generation behind us, like our kids and their kids. We don't do that anymore because a generation ahead of you or ahead of them or of them doesn't necessarily have the faith. No longer are we a Christian generations or Christian country or culture. And so the faith, we don't have the faith to pass it down. So you have to look in every direction to see where you need to witness with your faith. Listen, we are living, you are living in the most pre-Christian era our country has ever known. So you have to look at witnessing with your faith to generations older than you, beside you, and younger than you. The next generation of Jesus followers may not be the generation behind you. It may be the generation in front of you. We talked about this last week. If we can win and then leverage what the older generations bring to the table, We can win so many more people to Jesus. Now, if you're millennial or you're Gen Z, think about your older friends. Or think about the parents of your same age friends. You've got teachers. You've got um, employers. You may have employees. You have certainly your parents and grandparents who are all part of those older generations. And how, how effectively you witness to them matters. And by the way, this is what you're learning in your life groups. You're learning how to share your faith. You're learning this whole month, some practical steps some practical tips of how to witness. It's called evangelizing, telling other people about Jesus. If you're not in a life group, you need to get in a life group. Uh, check with Pastor Jonathan. He'll get you signed up. We want to make sure that you know how to witness to every generation around you. And so today, millennials uh, and Gen Gen Zers, we're going to introduce you to some of the older generations so you know how to effectively communicate to us. Because here's the thing right now. You are living in the biggest generational communication gap we've ever seen. Communication between generations is at an all-time low. We don't know how to communicate together. And listen, if you could could help catch the older generations uh, with Jesus, they would be so on fire for him. We need you, younger generations, to speak into our generations in the name of Jesus. So what we're going to do is help you do that. Learn how to communicate among all generations. Here's what it's going to do for all of us. Uh, It's going to make you a better parent a better grandparent, a better kid, a better grandkid. It's going to make you a better employer and a better employee, better neighbor, and a better friend. Because you'll be able to communicate to every generation around you by the time we finish this message series, we hope. But the biggest reason we're doing this is so you can communicate Jesus to every generation around you. Because again, every generation needs Jesus. So to kick things off, I thought it would be kind of fun and interesting to let the younger generation see what it was like growing up in my generation as a Gen Xer. So here we go. So this was our Amazon. <laughs> All right. How many of you remember that? Right. Yeah. We just aged ourselves. So Sears catalog was our, the original Amazon and they carried everything from clothes to toys, to tools, to you could build a house, literally a house kit from Sears catalog. But how many of you remember like ordering clothes like that? in elementary school. I did. I was in the Christmas catalog. How crazy was it? You could sit there all day and you get a pen and you just circle the things you want. Like you match the the item you want with a number below. And there's the price tells you about it. And then you dog here, you fold down that page. So mom and dad find it with 30,000 things circled on all those different pages. That was our original Amazon. Um, this was our DoorDash. When you were late for school or late for class, you ran like crazy because our principals did carry a paddle and you didn't want to get caught with that. This was my streaming as a kid. That's how I grew up. Uh, this was our Google Meet. Right? How many of you remember that? You, man, you could reach 30, 40 feet and still hear people through a cup and a string. Uh, this was my fidget spinner. This was our remote. I remember, I remember TVs before color, right? It was a big box TV. And I remember sitting there with a black and white TV and my dad would say, Hey, I want to watch something else. Well, where's the remote rich get up. <laughs> right. And I had a choice of two other channels besides one we were watching. And this was the day back in the day when, when TV shows like the, the season was like 50 weeks long, almost an entire year, not least eight. How many of you are tired of watching the whole season in eight different weeks? Right, because hey, we, we, we shot eight episodes and we're tired we're taking the rest of the year off back then a season was a season like 50 weeks of a television show but we had to wait week to week to watch it and you couldn't record it so if you missed it, you missed it Duke's a hazard man every Friday night at my house we were generally they're jumping over ramps anyway, that was our remote, I remember that uh, and this is how we filtered pictures back in the day how many of y'all honestly still do that? Right? I did this the other day. It was so much fun. I feel bad for the lady. I don't know who she is. AARP Magazine, just so you know. (laughs) Generations, right? But that's Gen X, you know, born in 1965, 1990. But before us were the boomers. Boomers were born 46 to 64. Before them, the builders, 28 to 45. Now, I know that you can go home and Google that in different sources, kind of shift those years. So let me tell you a secret. If you want to, you can shift your birth year a little bit. I don't care. You can put yourself in a different generation if you want to. I'm not really a builder. I'm more of the boomer. I'm not a boomer. I'm actually a Gen X. I'm younger than you think I am. So you, you can shift your birth year if you want to um, according to how you think it should be divided up. I won't tell anybody if you want to make yourself feel younger. That's great. But these older generations contributed so, so much to who and where we are today in really, really good ways. I want us to to look at that. Technology is advancing so rapidly that sometimes we forget to just stop and look back and see where it all came from. And it's very easy then to dismiss all the contributions that earlier generations brought to the generations of today. So let me remind you, let me talk for a moment about the builders, so you know who the builders are? Again, the builders were the 1928 to 1945. They lived in and through uh, World War II and the Great Depression. Like the, the Great Depression was bad enough, but at the end of the Great Depression, man, we went into war. And, and even coming out of those hardships, this generation gave us entertainers like Elvis Presley and James Dean. Y'all okay? Because somebody was a little hoop-hooping a little bit back there. <laughs> Uh, Janis Joplin, Aubrey Hepburn, and Mickey Mouse came out of this generation. Athletes like Muhammad Ali, Willie Mays, Billie Jean King, they dominated in their sports. And people like Martin Luther King Jr. and Neil Armstrong helped shape the direction of our nation. Y'all, that generation put a man on the moon, right? They did that with technology they had way back then. They put a man in a rocket and sent him to outer space. They were crazy great at what they did. And believe it or not, the first cell phone was invented by a builder. That generation of people, Dr. Martin Cooper. Builders, you came through some of the most horrific, toughest times of our nation, and you responded by building a nation. Give it up for the builders. The next generation were the boomers. Again, boomers born um, from 1946 to 1964. Uh, after World War II, all these soldiers came home. And between 1946 and 1964, listen to this, 76.4 million babies were born. That's a lot of babies. That's the boom. That's why you're called the baby boomers boomers. If you ever wonder why the name is that name. Although remember for being the hippies of the seventies, cool and groovy, these babies grew up to be inventors and innovators. They pioneered things like rock and roll. They invented the internet. Believe it or not, they did. They created personal computers. Think Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. And they invented screen time. Listen, if you're a, a Gen Z and, and your parents are getting on to you about he had too much screen time, remind them when they grew up. Because when TVs got into people's homes, get this, back in that, in that generation estimated 12,000 hours of TV before they turned age 16. We invented screen time. It's ours. You can't have it. Right? <laughs> yeah, we, we did that. But Baby boomers set us on the course for all of the technology that we have today. So guess what? Millennials and Gen Z, you're not really building much. You're just building on what someone else started for you. So give it up for the boomers who are with us. And that leads to Gen X. That's my generation. How many Gen Xers are there? Good, good representation, Gen Xers. So um, Gen X came sandwiched between the 76. million boomers, And the 83 million millennials, we'll talk about that more in a couple weeks, millennials are the largest generation uh, on earth right now. But generation X is one of the smallest generations. We number only 65 million. We grew up as the first generation where both parents were working. Some of you may remember that. I remember my mom, she was a social worker, and I remember when she went to work every Saturday um, at a nursing home, is what we used to call them back in the day. But then at one point, uh, my dad owned Phipps Accounting, and I remember the day my mom started working as uh, a secretary in the family business. And all of a sudden, we, we became part of that first generation of latchkey kids where you come home from school and you had a key around your your neck and you let yourself in and there's no telling what happens when you leave elementary kids, middle school kids at home alone after school by themselves. It more often looked like this. The next one. That was more like what happened after school. Um, We fed ourselves great snacks like, you know, Fruity Pebbles. Look, I turned out okay, right? We, that was our diet, because when we were home alone, you know supervision, that's what we did. But we were that first generation of latchkey kids, of two parents working outside of the home. Even though we were kind of lonely, and a small generation, and kind of goofy, we survived things like Watergate, and no seatbelts. How many of you remember that? So yeah, seatbelts were in cars, but they weren't, they weren't mandated law until millennials, so at Gen X, man, we, we had seat belts, but I never knew we had seatbelts because my dad tucked them under the seat because they were just in the way of, of you know, personal safety and saving lives. And so we drove around without seatbelts. What were we thinking, Gen Xers, right? But uh, listen, Gen X, we, we had some major accomplishments. We founded some of the first social media platforms, things like MySpace, Twitter, and Friendster which was actually the precursor as a model for Facebook. We pioneered Google and Amazon, believe it or not, and iconic movies like Star Wars, Princess Bride, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. All came out of this generation. Hey, for Star Wars alone, give it up for Gen X. Hey, hey, so the reality is every generation needs every generation. Every generation enjoys what the previous generations built. None of us can do it by ourselves. None of us have done it by ourselves. Every generation needs the next or every other generation. None of us are in this alone. We are better together. Say that with me. We're better together. We are better together. But instead of of learning to communicate with each generation, it just seems like there's been resistance and resentment between generations. But this isn't new. Let me share with you one of my what's become one of my new favorite passages of scripture. It's not the scripture we're going to dig into, but I ran across it this week. I think it's so um, well you'll know why I love it in a second. But it has to do with the great Old Testament prophet. His name was Elisha. A prophet was just somebody that God used to speak to and through uh, to other people, to his people. And so there's one of these major prophets called Elisha. And this is a really brief example um, story about him. It comes from way back in a book called Second Kings. And it goes like this. From there, wherever Elisha was before, from there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys... Now, these aren't little kids, okay? I don't want to freak you out in a moment. These are not little kids. Um, the Hebrew there actually means, these are young men. These are like early in their careers, kind of what it means. They're just getting started in life as young men in that community and society. These were these were millennial and Gen Z Old Testament guys, all right, in the Old, old Testament. So picture some... some uh, Gen Z um, millennials came out of town and jeered at him, the prophet Elisha, saying, get out of here, baldy. That's what, that's what they said. That's literal translation. Get out of here, baldy. They said, get out of here, baldy. Now, it sounds like a bunch of Gen Z making fun of a boomer, doesn't it? Get out of here, old man. But listen, if there's one thing you don't want to do, you don't want to, you don't want to tick off. You don't want to tick off a man of God, a, a prophet of God. Here's what happened, verse 24. He Elisha turned around looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. Is that hilarious? Like in in a boomer Gen X way? Like, don't make fun of us. We'll call the wrath of God down on you millennials and Gen Zers. You can see why it's kind of one of my favorite um, passages in Scripture. But actually, Marissa, you okay? Okay, you're okay. Okay, so anyway... This really isn't about a rift between generations. That's not the context. Bethel and those young guys, they're actually, they're worshiping false gods and goddesses and they recognize Elisha as the guy who speaks for and worships the one true God. It's really about that separation. But it does remind us of the fact that there is a rift between generations. And that older and younger, we, we've gotten in this pattern of resentment and resistance. And again, that is not, that is not God's plan. Uh, god's, not God's desire. See, God's desire is respect between generations, not resentment. It's receptive, not resistant. So let me show you two examples uh, from the Bible that are way better than Gen Z's getting mauled by bears. Um, What what it really looks like through that lens from a younger generation to older generation. So Millennial and Gen Z, I'm really talking to y'all this morning um, about us. So please take notes if you need to, but just, just hear what God says. Hey, wear this lens when you're you're dealing with and communicating with and living with and trying to witness to the older generations. So two examples of putting that lens on our younger generations. The first one comes from uh, just a continuation of what we talked about last week. Remember last week we talked about um, finding triumphant and validating and championing. I can't say that word. Finding a way to champion the younger generations. And we looked at uh, Paul and Timothy. And when Paul first met Timothy, he, he saw something that God was doing in Timothy's life. And Paul said, Hey, Timothy, I, I see you're a much younger man than I am. You're a younger generation. You're like Gen Z. I want to take you on a, on a mission trip with me, you know, on, on a mission adventure, like around the known world. And and they, they poured into each other. It was not a, just let me pour into you, but defined on this, this incredible relationship between the two that they really blessed each other, younger to older, older to younger. It's a great example. And then when one of Paul's most prolific and exciting churches, the church in Ephesus, was going through some challenges, it was young Timothy that Paul sent to take care of that church. And so Timothy went to Ephesus. You remember, this is all review. Paul went there, or Timothy went there to take care of the church in Ephesus, and it was a church that was important because it was one of the major cities. It was the second largest city in, in the Roman Empire. It was a major player in world trade. It was a church that was connected to every other town. It was like the evangelizing center because every road that went out of Ephesus went to a, somewhere else, another town in the Roman Empire. It was a great, great church. And Timothy went there to take charge of that church. He tr- Paul trusted the young guy to take over a big church. And when, when Timothy went there, Paul wrote him a letter And he said, hey, remember, these are the things we believe. This is what we preach and teach. This is what we stand on. He he talked about the truths of God. And then he said to Timothy, so you preach and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but you hold fast to these things. You believe these things. You live these things as an example, not only to the older generations above you, but the generations below you and the generations beside you. So Timothy went there, trusted by Paul, to, to stand strong in God's word and witness to every generation Around him. And then Paul said this after telling him what to do, Paul said this. He said, Do not rebuke older men harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So so Paul said, Hey, stand out from all the generations, be different, be an example to people of every generation around you, but do it like this. And notice, Paul gave Timothy the green light to rebuke older men. Did you hear that? It's like, when you rebuke them, hey, if they're wrong, they're wrong. Timothy, just because you're younger doesn't mean the older people always have it right. Listen, older people bring a lot of wisdom from life, but we don't always get it right. So older generations, we can't claim that we know more or know better. We just know what we know. Paul gave Timothy the green light to rebuke them when he needed to. But notice the attitude Timothy is supposed to have. It's not harsh. He said, Don't rebuke them harshly, but instead, younger generation. Let me give you three ways that I think we can pull out of this that, that you can approach older generations. Younger generations, are you ready for this? Yeah. Thank you. Three of us are ready. Cool. So, first, be polite. Younger generations, when you're dealing with our older generations, be polite. Listen, the generations before you grew up with a lot more modesty than we see today. In how they spoke and how they dressed, honor that when you talk with them. Show them that respect when you talk to them. Be polite with the older generations. Secondly, be kind. People, especially in the builder's generation, remember what it was like to have nothing. How many of you Gen Xers remember going to your grandparents and they had like 5,000 margarine containers full of buttons and bolts and nails and screws and parts of things you never knew were parts of things? Do you know why? They saved everything because they remember a day when they had nothing. You think supply and demand is hard right now? You know nothing from what it was like in the Great Depression. They lived their lives. If something broke, you had to learn to fix it. You could not Amazon. You could not even Sears catalog what you needed to fix stuff. They had nothing. We, we think it was hard because of COVID. Listen, today, the unemployment rate in our country is hovering around 4%. Back in April 2020, during COVID, it, it, it rose uh, to, to a the highest has been in more than 20 years at 14.7%. And our nation went into crisis. For crying out loud, our government was sending checks to people in the mail so people could survive. I'm thankful for that. But know what the unemployment rate was during the Great Depression? 30%. One-third of American adults, they, they, couldn't, they could not find work. They, could not, they didn't have a job. And they didn't have a government that was sending them checks in the mail. They had to rely on each other. They had to learn to depend on each other. They had to be kind to each other. They had to help each other out. People depended on each other because they had to. Show them that same kindness. That's how they existed and grew up and understood life to be. So younger generations, remember that. And when you sit down with someone older, of those older generations, remember, just, just be kind to them. Thirdly, be patient. Do you know what, do you know what the average attention span is today? <laughs> Eight seconds. Eight. Sec- That's less than a goldfish. <laughs> See, you know what a goldfish's attention span is? Nine seconds. We have less attention than a goldfish does. It didn't used to be like that. Uh, technology, I, I blame technology um, because things move so fast. Uh, hey, Gen Zers and millennials, you have to have a shorter attention span today because things move so much faster. We can't keep up with you. Okay, that's just a fact. I will never, ever get more than one kill in Apex Legends, and that's always by accident. If it ever happens, I will never be good at Apex Legends. I just won't be. I don't think and move that fast with. Give me a joystick and one button, and I will kill it all day long. (laughs) Right? Give me Galaga, I'll light up your world. But you give me a, you give me a, 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 a a control module with fifteen or sixteen buttons, I'm toast. Because we just, we just didn't grow up. An attention span, man, eight seconds? How many of you remember when, um, I'm, I'm off script. How, how many of you remember when Disney put out the movie um, Beauty and the Beast? The original one, right? You went and saw that, right? And your whole family said it was great. Then you remember several years, like 15 years later, they brought it out again. Like, hey, we're going to show it again in theaters. How many of you remember going to see it again? Y'all can, I, we, we took our fans, took our girls, and like, they saw it when they were little. Let's go see it again. We sat like, this is so they didn't slow it down. We just sped up, yep. right? And so that's why commercials, TV shows, movies, everything moves much faster today because the attention span is so much shorter today. Listen, we, we will never be as fast as millennials and Gen Zers are. It's just a fact. So younger generations, just be patient with us. You, you have to, to, we're not gonna catch up to you, so slow down with us for a little bit. We, we didn't grow up with the technology, like millennials, you grew up with technology, Gen Zers, you grew up in technology, we didn't have that chance. I heard it said this way, you have to think of us, our older, us older generations, as people from a third world country being dropped into the country that is our country today. When it comes to technology, we just don't, we just don't get it all. And so as much as we appreciate it and, and try to use it, just be patient with us whenever you're talking to us at all. Be, pa- be polite, be kind, and be patient. Paul tells Timothy to treat older men like his father and older women like his mother. How many of you ever get annoyed by old people driving? <laughs> right? Some of those hands went up a little too fast. I'm with you. I, 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 like, you're like, oh my gosh, your blanker's been on for five years turn it off. You're, you're not turning anywhere. You're on the turnpike. Can you please bring it up to half the speed limit, and that way at least get us there a little bit faster? Or, or Hong Kong, hey, are you awake in there? You know what would know help me get over that? That's someone's grandma. That's someone's grandpa, right? And that's what, that's what Paul's telling to me. Hey, hey these, these older generations, they're going to just frustrate you. So look at, at them through the lens of like, they're, treat them like your dad or your mom or your grandma. Your grandpa, because that's who they are. And hopefully, that gives you a, a handle to grab onto that better about how to treat older generations when you get the opportunity to sit with them and hopefully bless them. Now, here's a second place I want to take you to see um, through the lens of how younger generations can and should connect with older generations. We're going to go back, way back in the Old Testament for this one, back to the time of Moses. And listen, even if you uh, are not a follower of Jesus, even if you've maybe never been in church, um, whether you're here today or online, you probably know the name Moses, right? Moses was like the dude of all the Old Testament. He, he's the Jewish MVP um, for, for the Jewish faith. It was Moses who freed the slaves, the Israelites, out of Egypt. It was Moses who led them through the Red Sea. It was Moses that God gave the Ten Commandments to. It was Moses, 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 like Moses wrote the first five books of the, of the Bible. It was, everything was Moses, and that's, they kind of built their faith around what God had done through the great man Moses. But before Moses was like Moses, do you know who Moses was? Moses was an Egyptian. Well, he was a Hebrew living um, under the guise of an Egyptian. He was, um, had to make a choice one day as, as a young man, probably as a Gen Zer or maybe a millennial. He had to make a choice, am I going to live my life as an Egyptian? Because he was living under the, as, as a grandson to the Pharaoh. Am I going to live my life as a privileged Egyptian, or am I going to go back to my roots as a Hebrew? And he chose being a Hebrew, which actually ended up making him a man on the run. And he went to the land called Midian um, as a wanted man for murder. This is who God uses in Scripture, a murderer named Moses. And he went to the land uh, called Midian, got married, and became a shepherd for his father-in-law. So that's the backstory of Moses, and this is what happened. Let me read to you from way back in Exodus about Moses. Picking up in chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, here's what's cool about that that location. Many, many, many scholars, most scholars, in fact, agree that Mount Horeb is just another name for the same mountain that we call Mount Sinai. If you know anything um, about Mount Sinai, that's where God actually gave Moses the Ten Commandments. How cool is that? That before um, Moses became Moses, before all the stuff that God did, God brought Moses to the very same foot of the very same mountain because he wanted to make sure that he was on solid footing before he did what he was about to do. And so listen to what happened then. Verse 2. There, at the foot of the mountain, there the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, hey, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then God said, I am the God of your father, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Before God called Moses to action, before God sent Moses on mission, before God launched Moses into adventure, he wanted to make sure that Moses understood the relationship among generations. God was about to do something new, but it wasn't any different from what was old. Moses, I'm about to use you, one of my most epic moves in human history, but Moses, this does not make you any more special than the guys that came before you that I also used. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Listen, what God was about to do through Moses, those guys could never have imagined. Those guys could never have dreamt. They could not see that, but it did not make Moses any more special But it also did not make those guys dispensable. So while this was God saying, Moses, this is who I am, who I was, who I always will be. This is also God saying, hey, this is who they were. Don't dismiss them. I was their God and they were my people. And I worked wonders and miracles through them as well. Don't dismiss them. They were mine as much as you are mine. God was reminding Moses from the very beginning how to validate and value the previous generations. And friends, we can do the same. Millennials and Gen Z, there's a lot of value in these older generations. We've lived life, some of us a lot of life. We've gained value and wisdom from life. And even though I believe God is going to do amazing things through you, I mean, Millennials and Gen Z, I think you have so much potential. I think you're all going to do more than we could even think or imagine. You know, God's going to use you in ways we can't even see from this point right now. I think the greatest days of the church are ahead of us. I think the greatest days of Grace Collective are when I'm gone and someone else is leading. I can't wait to see, even from eternity, what God does through Grace Collective Church and all of our multiple campuses. Right? Amen. I can't wait to see all the ones populating, not that board, but all the ones that these newer, younger generations are going to win because they're following hard after Jesus and they're witnessing to others. I can't wait to see what God does through you. But don't dismiss us. Don't dismiss us. We're still here. We need you, like Moses, to value what God has done in our generations. And we need you, like Timothy, to preach and teach the truth of Jesus into our generations. You may have to put your devices down to do that effectively, but value us enough to do that. We need your voice in our older generations. Listen, for all of us, we are living, again, in the most pre Christian era of our country. You have to witness to every generation, the generation before you, the generation after you, the generations around you. You have to, because right now, every generation needs Jesus. And every generation needs every generation so that we can impact the world for for Jesus. Hey, next week, we're going to learn about Gen Z. And we happen to have next week, one of the most uh, effective young men at sharing Jesus with Gen Z in our entire area. And he's going to be on stage with me next week for, for a little bit of time. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, but it's going to be a great opportunity for those of us who are not Gen Z to learn about Gen Z. And I can't wait for him to share some of what he's been doing and what God's been doing through him. And then the the final week of this message series, uh, we, we believe we have um, someone coming who is really reaching um, millennials. And he's reaching... Uh, the online community uh, with a church, digital church, all over the world. Like when they meet on Wednesday nights, their church is somebody from Germany and somebody from Great Britain, and people from the U.S. It's just amazing how he's, he and his wife are reaching uh, a generation um, that is purely digital. So those are coming up. So hope you can join us next week and the week after also. But for this week, let me give you the weekly ask. Here, this is what we ask you to do. Not just, we don't want you going home and just thinking about what we talked about. That doesn't do very many people very many good. But if you go home and actually do this, this begins to set you up to be a witness for Jesus. So number one, here's your weekly ask. Talk about how you have been resenting or resisting an older generation. Just get honest. Get with somebody this week and say, you know what? I, I, I've, been, I've been just putting down the people who are older than we are just confess that. Just humbly come before God and talk to somebody about that. Do you disregard them because they're too slow? Do you discount them because they don't understand technology? Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a grandparent, maybe it's a teacher, a coworker, a coach, whoever. Learn said to be polite, be kind, and be patient. Here's number two. Talk about the ways you can honor and learn from an older generation. They've got stories. They've got, they've got um, wisdom to share. Don't miss out on what they bring to the table. Thirdly, then strategize how you, young generations, can witness to someone in an older generation. Pray about it. Think it through. You know, think it, then ink it if you have to. Put it on paper. Do whatever you need to do to remind yourself, this is how I am going to begin to reach the generations who are older than my generation for Jesus. And the last last, uh, weekly ask is for parents is your talking point. Every week we send you home with your kids from downstairs at Crew with a talking point. They are talking about some really cool stuff downstairs today, but here's what they're coming home with to talk with you about all week long. Name three ways to be selfless this week. Name three ways to be selfless this week. And as I think about, as I think about um, communicating between generations, that's really what it boils down to. How can we be selfless to put down what we know, and what we think is right, so we can begin to listen to and speak into the next generation in the name of of Jesus. Hey, let me pray us out of the message and back into some worship. So Father God, thank you. You're an amazing God. I mean, you're the only true God. We get that. But you continue to amaze us over and over. You, you could have retired, God. You could sit back and say, I've done all I'm going to do and y'all good luck. But you haven't done that. You are actively involved in every one of our lives at very personal levels. Everyone, everywhere, every day. And Jesus You call us to do the same for every generation. So, Lord, help us to be people who value every generation around us and who speak into every generation around us effectively in the name of Jesus. Lord, we commit all of this to you, and we pray this in your holy name. And all of the followers of Jesus said, amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand and we worship some more. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.